0: Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball especially when it's done by the twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home. Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing the Grand Group at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners.
1: On this episode, Dan and Hoag's recap the Twins five game series with the Cleveland Guardians. Thanks for listening, enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is Dan Thompson with me for the, just the second time this year, I believe, is Andrew Hogs Hoganson filling in for David Koufis, who's fallen ill. So I'm stepping in. I'm in Iowa. I'm in an attic. You're in a basement, Hoag's. What could be a better pairing here?
2: I know. It seems it seems pretty perfect. Hoping David feels better soon, but happy happy to do this one again for you. Maybe we might have to throw in a couple of malware references again if, if we get the chance.
1: If we hope. But here's the thing, Hoag's. What a series to have to step in for. I I was not mentally ready to do this until a couple of days ago. David kind of warned us that he may not be feeling up to it. What a Crazy, crazy series. The Twins win two of the five, could have won five. We could be looking at a Twins team with like a 12-game lead in the Central. Instead, it's just back down to one game, Hogs.
2: I'm so sick of all the people on Twitter that keep saying, you know, if they hadn't blown these eight games to the Indians, or the Guardians, sorry, excuse me, they would be up by... Oh, it's just, it's so frustrating. I, I'll i be honest with you, I don't think I'm mentally ready to record this right now either. There's such a whirlwind watching these five games.
1: I don't know that I remember a rivalry quite like this one with these two teams. The Twins have traditionally played actually pretty well in Cleveland, and they played... Pretty well, except for like three innings, especially the eighth inning that, that keeps just dooming this team. I,
2: I want to be an ever-optimist on this and say, like, I, I I think we're better than them. I mean, we look like the better team out there, but we cannot close a game.
1: That That's exactly what I talked about with the Wild and the Blues in the playoffs. Like, how is this Wild team not oh. beating this Blues team? <laughs> They're the better team. Anyway, yeah. um, well, we better jump in here to the series recap
0: series recap
1: game one hoax and the twins looked good 11 to 1 they crush in this one sunny gray goes seven innings and the twins just were able to score runs seemingly at will in this one
2: yeah, it was nice to see them put up an 11 spot right away against the Guardians in game one. I mean, they scored three runs in the second, two runs in the fourth, two runs in the sixth, two runs in the seventh, and to top it off, another two runs in the ninth. And the only run they gave up was on a wild pitch in the ninth. So fantastic game for the Twins to start it off with.
1: Pouring it on in this one, the home runs came aplenty here. Sanchez hit a home run. Gordon hit a home run. Correa hit a home run. These were the runs that the Twins could have used later in this series, Hoax.
2: Yeah and you start thinking good things when a series starts off like this you're saving your bullpen in game 1 you're 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 looking good you got you got the offense clicking again we got that three-game lead after the Rockies series when the Guardians faltered against the Red Sox there. I mean, things were looking real up in game one.
1: So, there was a key moment in this game, actually, that, that kind of I wanted to dwell on for a minute. It's actually the ninth inning, because the Guardians bring in a hitter to pitch. Clement comes in, and he pitches the ninth inning here. He gives up four hits, two runs. The Twins just kind of rock him. It seemed to matter, because then that was one inning that the Guardians didn't have to use one of their pitchers. And this is a point David has made, I'm curious for your thoughts. Do, do you think that teams should be able to use position players as pitchers whenever they want to?
2: I'm torn on this one because I I like the idea that anyone can play wherever they want in the field at any given time. You know, like if you have a a pitcher come in and pinch run or something like that, but it's hard not to look at how this impacted this series. I mean, look at the twins in in game four and game five when we had no one again that we could put into those games in the late innings. I mean, you're, you're just searching for answers and they got to burn a valuable inning and just have a position player go in there so I think ultimately I'm fine I'm fine with it I still think guys should be able to just tee off on them and unwritten rules who cares like you're putting a position player in there I'm gonna mash a home run off you I don't care if the count's 3-0 I don't care what it is
1: I totally agree with the just just mash because it is a strategic advantage now I see that now I saw that with the guardians getting that extra inning so I was glad that the twins hit them hard tacked on a couple free runs it kind of feels like the empty netter if I if I can make another hockey, hockey reference
2: yeah it, it it for sure does and, and when you're looking at in a, in a baseball season where starters are only going four to five innings, even if they have what we used to would have called a quality start. One inning is is a huge deal, especially in a five game series and one game's on a doubleheader. Or well, two games are on a doubleheader.
1: Well, and let's go to that doubleheader. So that was Tuesday. The Twins lose the first one, three to two. Heartbreaker here. The Guardians get two runs in the bottom of the eighth after the Twins had taken a lead in the top of the eighth. And it's just, it seemed to set the tone then for what was coming in the rest of the series. <laughs> Did it
2: ever. I mean, this game started off great. Smeltzer pitched really well. He had six innings pitched, only gave up four hits, one run and nine strikeouts. You, you got to like how he's kind of cementing his place in the rotation right now.
1: And Griffin Jacks came in. He had maybe a little bit of a longer inning. He threw 21 pitches, but then Pagan comes in, doesn't even record an out before he gives up the, what turned out to be the game winning run. Thielbar comes in and does clean up. Thielbar has been lowering his ERA a little bit too, but Pagan, that was already his fifth and save. And then we get more of that later on in the series, though, maybe the, big highlight in this game was Correa's lead changing or lead taking home run in the eighth (laughs) inning. Uh, And it looked like the twins were on a good trajectory, but then they give that one away.
2: I I feel so frustrated for Carlos Correa this year because it seems like he's had so many of these moments that look like they're going to be big moments that look like it's part of this championship culture that he (laughs) wants to build. And then Pagan inevitably craps on it later in the game. And I don't know. I don't know if it's just like Correa is playing that well that it seems to always happen to him, but it's like him and Buxton every time they have a big moment, if it's not in the bottom of the ninth in a a walk-off, my first thought is, oh, here we go. Something bad's going to happen.
1: Well, and Pagan came from the Padres who imploded in the last season. So I think maybe Pagan brought his losing culture, his his game-blowing culture that he brought with him or something like that in San Diego. He Uh, he has uh,
2: frustratingly good stuff, too. I think that's what keeps getting me. He can hit 98. He's got decent off-speed stuff. He can't find the strike zone for the life of him some games. But on paper, and Rocco even said this after, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but after game four That he has good stuff and he's pitching well. It's just a lot of times it's location and execution. But yeah, we saw we saw that in game two here.
1: Hold up, but is that another one of those lines like the well he just gives up forty percent of his fly balls (laughs) hit for home runs? Like is is the pitch good if somebody (laughs) hits it out of the park? It's a good point. It's a very good point. It doesn't um,
2: matter if it was a great pitch if a guy clobbers it. Eventually, it's well, not a great pitch.
1: No. And then in Game 3, so the Twins equalize in the second half of the doubleheader. They win this one 6-0. They smash out 13 hits to the Guardians, just 5. And they do this with only going 1-9 for nine with runners in scoring position, but the Guardians only 0-9. And it seemed really most of the series, the Guardians just could not come up with a big hit, and they couldn't in this game.
2: Yeah, they couldn't. And I mean, Winder came back from the IL on this, uh, in this game, and he looked great again he went six in inch pitch only had one strikeout but he was effective Duffy came in and looked decent and then Moran closed it out it was a another solid performance by the offense that matched up with the pitching and again these are the games that you think that they're going to lose because they have a, a rough start to the double header but this team has shown an innate ability to bounce back and spoiler alert hopefully they can continue doing that
1: well and we should say too speaking of coming back Jorge Polanco came back he made his first start in a while and he had a home run in this game that was important and not in half of the Twins' runs. So good to see him back in the field. He actually comes back just as Trevor Larnik goes on the injured list. He's got basically a hernia. They don't call it that anymore. Uh, but he's going to be out for probably six to eight weeks, which you know, we talked about how they had kind of a glut of players to play. But now Kirilov can move to left, Polanco to second, Arise back to first. So all the pieces are there for this lineup that, again, continues to show that it has the capacity to score a lot of runs.
2: Yeah, and we keep having this conversation whenever we're talking about guys coming back. Like, well, where's Kirilov going to play? And, and so many times, I mean, we say it, but just wait. This team is looking like it's the A-team lineup right now, more or less. And you got to hope that that means that there's good things to come.
1: Then there's Wednesday night's game. So this is game four of the five-game series. The Twins have a lead in the sixth. They take a three-to-one lead there. And then they, they take a three-run lead in the tenth. And it looks, Hogs like the Twins have finally put together an extra inning victory Kepler hits that home run he always mashes in Cleveland and then in comes Pagan to close it out in the bottom of the 10th
2: I mean I I didn't feel good about it right away like the second you see him strutting in there it was like no no put in Gordon like I I don't care do we have to put in Pagan here it it was so frustrating especially seeing the twins get those three runs in the 10th I mean the way how they got that first run with Buxton really adeptly moving over to third Mm -hmm. on on that fly out that was great to see uh the fielder just just kind of making sure he had the ball showing the umpire next thing you know buxton's on third and then correa has that great at bat where the strike zone gets expanded on him about eight thousand times and he still manages to make him pay and punch it out to right field and then kepler like you said with the homer then you're starting to feel better about it but man what a heartbreaking loss and i'm so sick and tired another thing that i'm sick and tired of hearing all the time is all this win probability that the twins had the twins have lost eight times where their win probability is over 98 percent or whatever I don't care. I don't, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I don't want to hear how there's no way that they should have lost that game. I mean, they shouldn't have. We all know that. I don't need to see a stat that tells me only 2% of teams win.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. man. Pagan actually does not get credited with the blown save here because Cotton came in and technically gave up the game-winning home run. But this woman's on Pagan. We're going to talk more about how Rocco managed this one a little bit later. But the Twins lose on a Josh Naylor home run. And after the game, Josh Naylor said, yeah. I was trying to hit a home run.
2: When he hit that ball, I refused to believe that it was gone. Like, I kept (laughs) my TV on. Like, normally after a loss like that, you just turn off the TV right away and sit in there in silence like David and I were talking about the last time I was on. But I felt like it was foul, even though it wasn't even close to being a foul ball.
1: It was brutal. And and then we come to game five. And so we already know that the Twins are basically out of arms. And then, of course, who's starting the game but none other than Chris (laughs) Archer, Um, (laughs) who. who I was stunned that he even got through the four. And I've heard before that for him, it's not so much about the pitch count as much as it is about the rhythm of getting ready for another inning. And so that's one reason also why he doesn't go past four or five. But he he did actually throw 90 pitches, only 45 strikes in what was clearly a theme for the day.
2: I was just gonna ask you that. Have you ever seen someone throw so many pitches and (laughs) have a worse ball to strike ratio? I mean, that is unbelievable. He walked four people in a row with two out to let up a run. I mean, his his stat line, honestly, is pretty good. He only gave up one hit and six <laughs> walks.
1: Right, because if we're talking about that as seven hits over four innings and only one, one run, we think, eh, you know what, it was probably okay. But the guy, I mean, and Corey Provis, who I got, to, I got to listen to a lot of Corey Provis this week, because I've been back here and my MLB subscription doesn't work, so I'm listening to most of these games. And Corey Provis, I know you're going to talk about the man later. According to Provis, at least, none of the pitches were anywhere close to the strike zone this entire game for the Twins. They walked 10 guys combined.
2: It was incredibly frustrating to watch. I mean, that's that's something... I'm, I'm not a Major League Baseball pitcher. Let's just get that out of the way right away. But even, like, Glenn Perkins was the <laughs> color analyst for this whole series. And he kept saying, just, you can't put a guy on here. You have to throw strikes. And honestly, it was refreshing for me to hear a pitcher say... Just throw strikes because it seems like it should be that simple. When you're in a ball game like this where you have a lead, a walk is almost as bad as a home run in some of these situations. So you just you got to make the guy earn it for the love of all things.
1: Well, and what was so, I don't know that it was frustrating necessarily, but as I'm listening to this game and I'm driving down to Iowa, Giovanni Moran comes in and pitches quite well. He does walk one guy, but he gets three. He strikes out three of the guys that he faced in an inning and a third. duffy comes in gets four strikeouts of the five guys he faced and his ERA is back down under five but then you know that Thornburg's got to give them these last couple innings and he walks three guys and he gives up two it's just like they had nobody warming up with the bullpen like I kind of felt bad for Thornburg
2: it, it makes you wonder too how we're not stretching some of these relievers out a little bit more I know Moran throw 1.1 Duffy through 1.2 and then you have you know you have to have Thornburg that's basically finishing the game and that's your last option I, I mean maybe Maybe it's time for Rocco to start. Look, We don't have a long reliever in our, in our bullpen right now. We don't have a true long reliever. And if our starters keep only throwing four innings, we need that guy. We need that guy that's going to come in and reliably give you three or four innings. And maybe if we're not going to do that, then we need to stretch these guys out a little bit more. Because frankly, it's unexcusable to be in a situation where you're playing the team that is chasing you in the division and you got a guy like Thornburg that you're putting everything on. And the guy before him is Duffy, who we haven't been able to trust in forever. But one note about Duffy, Duffy in this game though he did actually look really good like his slider had a lot of bite on it his fastball had some life he looked like he had some confidence yet so I'm wondering if maybe he returns to some of those high leverage roles again I mean who else
1: well, that's the thing. And again, this game had the feel that the Twins had to tack on more than the bases-clearing double that Miranda had to give them their three runs. They they were going to have to win this game 8-6, to 8-5. to five. They were not going to win a close game because of the pitching limitations we just talked about. And the Guardians had so many guys on base because of those walks. They could not come up with a big hit. And it felt like, I think Provis made this point too in the broadcast, this felt like a game that the Guardians really should have won. I mean, like, they played better than the Twins in this game. So I don't really, I'm not heartbroken by the loss in itself. Itself. It's just in the context of the series that this one really does hurt.
2: Yeah, I mean, you guys talked about this a lot in the last podcast. Like, what hurts the most? I mean, game four over game five. I mean, easily. But it's concerning that they keep on losing these walk-off games. I mean, th- those can be... I mean, David, let's talk about momentum here for a while because we know how much he loves it. <laughs> these, are, these are momentum killers. You lose two games in a row like that to your division rival. I mean, that's tough.
1: All right, well, let's uh, let's get into our segments. Puckets, Picks, Winner. Catch him Puckett's picks winner. You know, David texted before this as we were getting ready for our next picks, and he was like, Oh, I'm picking last. I won. <laughs> like, he wasn't at home like counting straws or whatever he lays out in abacus or something like that.
2: He knew it the second game five ended. He he <laughs> knew exactly what the score was. Like, there's there's no way he was surprised. Faux surprise David. I'm calling. I'm calling it.
1: But he does win with Korea. 14 points for Korea. I had Kirloff who had 12. You took Buxton on behalf of the listeners. Buxton had one of those cold series with just negative two with what seemed like a bazillion strikeouts, Hogs,
2: I've been the kiss of death lately. I, I It really makes me nervous for picking for the Orioles series because I, I, maybe I maybe I need to pick a bench player so that it doesn't hurt the Twins as much anymore.
1: David has extended his lead. He has 11 wins. I've got seven. The listeners got six. Hogs, we're getting dangerously close to that. If you combine the listeners and me, we almost aren't able to beat David. So one of us has to come up with the win next series. Beast versus
2: Bench. It's losing fun? Is losing fun.
1: Hogs, I've got to go with Carlos Correa. He was easily... I mean, we, you talked about championship culture. Like, he was bringing it. It felt like this was a series that he was like, um, hey, guys, we this should be a five game sleep like where's the world series trophy like this should be we should have just won the world series with this even in game five when he had that error trying to throw to Urshela at third like you could tell he was trying to make a play that had to be made so I don't really fault him for the error there it was just it was it was too bad um that that he didn't get the support
2: I'd agree with that too like I I talk about dumbs all the time is when like a a guy does something in the field that they should have an error attributed to them but it's just not how it works it's not an error play I don't think that play really should have been an error too I I mean, it was clearly an infield single when he dove and got that ball. It was a great play. He had to make a play at third. There was a chance they got him out at third, but it was really low probability. I, I don't blame him for making that effort. I, I, I get that it was an air, but yeah, I agree. I, I don't really know who else you can go to for your beast in this series other than Correa. Uh, even seeing him when they were having mound visits and him going up to the pitchers and trying to amp him up and everything. Whatever you want to say about the guy and his past and all that, he is in it to win it this, this year, and he is doing everything he can to lift this team on his back and it's showing you just hope that they'll they'll get some more games to do it for sure
1: so how would you describe the bench role here for this one (laughs)
2: For the bench, I just gave it to the whole bullpen. Like, I mean, you can clearly signal out a guy like Pagan who just looked awful, but we don't have guys going as long as they need to. We don't have guys getting consistent strikes. Uh, Pagan is definitely the one wave in the flag for all of them, but when you pitch this well with your starting pitching and your offense produces in the way that it has in these late innings, you cannot blow those leads. It just can't happen. It, it's mind-blowing that we only have one guy that you feel good about coming in with Duran and maybe Jackson both of those guys are rookies I mean it's it's insane maybe we give the bench to the front office too because this shouldn't have come as that big of a surprise and if you take Duran out of the equation
1: oh my it's a bad bullpen. I, I ended up just giving it to Pagan because he was kind of the face of the bad bullpen this time around with, with basically the two blown saves. But yeah, I mean, you have to be able to count on your bullpen to get some outs in key games. And I know that sometimes bullpens go through stretches, but man alive, they've lost five games in a row to the Guardians where they had leads. that Houges, they should yep. just they should have a big lead in the division. They should at least be comfortable right now. And I'm sure the White Sox are thinking, great, these guys are beating up on each other.
2: Yeah, it, it just feels like we had the opportunity to bury them at the end of june like absolutely bury them and we didn't do it that's going to be hard to swallow and and the thing is is i'm still encouraged about this team i think the twins are the better team and i think they are going to win the division but man it should not be this close and it's so frustrating when i mean bullpen guys are fairly easy to acquire too i mean we'll get into this more i'm sure as we go on through our segments but they need help and it's it couldn't be more obvious
1: Rocko's Rewind. A couple things we need to talk about here. I'll I'll kind of speak to the game first itself and then i'll I'll let you go to yours so in game four in the 10th the twins are up six to three i think you can't go to pagan there in the bottom of the 10th i think you have to go to moran or duffy instead because one they're fresher two they've pitched better lately and i think in a moment of that importance you cannot put out a guy who just pitched the day before and didn't pitch well like you have to let pagan do that cleanup work in game five on a little bit more rest and i think you're just you're setting yourself up for a better outing here
2: yeah, I think that's 100% on Rocco, too, because you have a guy that is clearly struggling and clearly in his head, and a guy that has a tendency to walk a lot of people. You have a three-game lead and you already have a guy on base. You don't want to put a guy who has the potential to put more guys on base and then give up that that long home run. I mean, Duffy has a potential to give up those home runs, but he's pitched in those situations before. I couldn't agree more. Like, There's no way that Pagan should have came into that situation in Game 4.
1: No, and Duffy's been better lately, too. Um what about you? You want to talk about Wes?
2: So my mine is a little bit more of a mower's musing for Rocco's Rewind, I guess. But with with Wes Johnson leaving for the LSU job, will Rocco take more of an active role in the bullpen? Because based on a lot of reporting that uh, Twins insiders have done, it sounds like he leaves a lot of the bullpen decisions to Wes Johnson, which I think is a good attribute for a coach to be able to trust the the people that work for under you to make those kinds of decisions. But I'm wondering if now if we'll see any changes with how the bullpen is managed, with Rocco most likely taking a more active role in, in those situations, and and what will that look like?
1: You know, maybe they could just ask fans because I think some of that is like. <laughs> It seemed pretty obvious here what strings needed to be pulled in this series and which arms needed to be gone to. It didn't seem like it took... I mean, just look at the guy who didn't pitch the last game, who's been pitching well and put him in in high leverage situations. I mean, they had opportunities here to use pitchers in low leverage situations. They had blowout wins in game one and three. That's when you use... Pagan, who's not pitching well, and then you use the guys who pitched better lately. I just talked about this, Hogs. I gotta, I gotta yeah, step it, back it, here. I just it, took it, over your your moment.
2: <laughs> no, but it, it seems it seems so obvious. I mean, we give Rocco a long leash because he has a bad bullpen to work with, and there's no doubt about that. I'm not trying to gloss over that in any way, shape, or form. But you you can't keep putting the same guy in the same situation and expecting different results. At some point in time, you just have to roll the dice with someone else.
1: All right. Well, let's uh, let's press into our Minnesota moment. Minnesota moment. How about how about you start here, Hogs?
2: <laughs> just a great quote from Corey Provis at the end of Game Five when uh, Jimenez hit the hit the two run walk off. He just ended it with, "I'm gonna puke." And frankly, that's that's exactly how I felt after that game. It might, might be the food poisoning that I've been having over the last couple of days or whatever. But after that game, that's what I thought. I'm I'm gonna puke. I, I I don't know. I don't know how else to better sum it up. So that's my Minnesota moment. I gotta stop. That's with a these good one. Ones. I I was
1: <laughs> well. Sorry, I don't know. So I was trying to find some bright spots. So and I have to go back to game one. Sunny, great start in game one. I thought it was really encouraging. If we, if we can recall the hope that we had at the beginning of the <laughs> series and also. Kirilov's first home run of the season. He's been really hot. I know, I, I mean, I picked him for Puckett's Picks. He's He had a very good series overall. He could have been the beast in some situations if he maybe had one more big hit. So yeah. there were oh, positives. Yeah. We want to emphasize there were positives in this series.
2: Well, that's the crazy thing about this series. You look at Sonny Gray's start, Josh Winder's start, and Devin Smelter's start, and then you come out and say that we were challenged in the bullpen at the end of this series. I mean, that makes no sense to me.
1: No, this should have been a series that they won, as I'm sure we'll get to in, uh, in the grades, but let's do our Mauers Musings here first
2: i just don't know how
1: it can get any better
2: Mauer's musings so they keep having these just demoralizing losses and they have up to this point shown a pretty innate ability i mean look at what happened after the cleveland series they won the or the the first cleveland series in target field uh, they, they won game three one to nothing when it looked like they were just down and out for the count after game two. And then they came off and had a pretty solid series against the Rockies and won two out of three. How do they respond? Are they going to be a team that keeps being able to bounce back from these losses? Because that's a team I want. To be rooting for in October that can shake this off and we've shown we've seen twins teams that can't do that so I'm just curious how much more they can take and if this is a sign of a team that has that mental fortitude or are they more like the team that should be losing these games and the bounce back games are more of a mirage
1: yeah, I think a couple factors come to my mind. So all they really got to do is win the division. They're, they're not going to catch the Astros and they're not going to catch the Yankees. So they're looking at that number three seed in the playoffs, almost certainly, uh, especially after the way that this series went. They've got the Orioles, then the White Sox, the Rangers, the Brewers, the White Sox to finish out before the All-Star break. I think if they can finish that stretch with a winning record, I think they're looking pretty good. Um, going into the All Star break and then making a nice stretch run.
2: That's the thing with this team. Like, even with these losses that we've had, I, like I said before, I still feel optimistic about their chances in this division because I don't think the Guardians are that great of a team.
1: No, and I, I think that the Twins have shown that they can hit just about anybody. And they're going to be able to produce those 11-run outbursts that are going to be able to to keep them from slumping into into a big losing streak that would compromise the division.
2: Well, we talk about this a lot, and you guys talk about it way more than I would like you to, too, but the Twins have played very well against bad teams. I mean, that (laughs) that is a, a simple fact this year that they've beaten the teams that they're supposed to beat. So as long as you can keep doing that, I mean the AL Central winner is not going to have 100 games uh, that they win. No. So I think about 90 to 92 is probably going to get it done this year.
1: Still, we are looking at a team that has not swept a series since they swept the Royals at the end of May. So we're talking 10 12 series it's been a long time.
2: That's wild. And and still is in first place. I mean, Abs- after absolutely. all of this, we're still in first place.
1: So my musing and I'll I'll try to be quick about it, but maybe this is obvious. When are they going to get a, a reliever? You know, they no. they clearly, they have to have somebody, and there's got to be somebody out there willing to part with a back-end guy. I would love to just have a true closer on this team, because you look, the Guardians have Emmanuel Classé, who wrapped up three of these games and looked pretty dang near unhittable. The Twins need somebody else to go with Duran. Yeah, I
2: kept getting jealous every time seeing their their bullpen guys get up. And but then we kept hitting some of them too. But yeah, they, they need to get someone and they need to get them them now. I mean it, it is clear that we can compete in this division and it is very clear that we need bullpen help. It's tough, though, in in a year like this where they've added playoff teams. You have teams that aren't willing to sell as quickly as they are before. But I still think that that premium, whatever that may be, w- without even knowing it, I think it's worth it.
1: All right, well, let's uh, let's grade this series, Hugs. Series grades. I wanted to give it an F, but I look at this series and I, and I think of all the positives we talked about, the starting pitching, especially the way that Correa looked, Kirilov looked, um, Polanco coming back. I gave it a D because I just couldn't call it a total failure based on the performance of the bullpen. But I, I could be convinced, Huggs. What do you got?
2: Honestly, I think your grade is more fair. I'm going to go emotional, though. I'm giving them an F. It, it hurt too much. I, I wanted to puke. I, I wanted to puke after watching those games. And so it's hard for me not to give them anything other than an F. There, there are positives, but I don't want to hear about them right now.
1: No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> let's, look else, let's look elsewhere in the baseball world with uh, Herbie's Headline.
0: I don't know, Jack. It looked like Herbeck pulled him off the bag. Herbie's Headlines. So
2: something really interesting happened over the last week or so. So Freddie Freeman, who played for the Braves last year and won a World Series, signed with the Dodgers in the off season. And this last week, he was back in Atlanta to receive his World Series ring. He's he's been a career Brave. Uh, one of the most loved guys in that in that franchise. They had a huge ceremony for him. It was really cool. He teared up, and you could tell. And the whole time you're watching it, you're like, man, it's surprising that this guy left to go to the Dodgers. Like he he seems like he really liked it there. Well, it turns out we hear that he fi- fired his agent about a day after the whole ceremony happened, and a rumor came out that the agent never pitched Freeman the last offer that the Braves made that was about the same as the offer that the Dodgers made. So, I mean, that's that's wild right there. Like, you got to think, man, he would have taken that for sure, and then he fires his agent. And, and then today, the news came out that the agent says that about that there, there being another offer wasn't actually true. So it's, it's really wild. I'm sure we'll get, maybe we'll get more information about it, but it, it just seems like, I mean, clearly someone's not telling the truth here. And it's always weird when you have those guys that have played for the whole franchise forever, and then they leave, and it's such an acrimonious like uh, ending to it. I mean, it was just an interesting thing to be seeing going down. A lot of drama in baseball this year. There is.
1: I mean, we've got the slap from Jack, <laughs> Peter- or Jack Peterson getting slapped by Tommy Pham. A lot of strange things. And I will say t- to this bit about Freeman, you know, he did just win a World Series with the team he'd been with for a long, long time. I mean... That's the pinnacle of a guy's career. I could see why he'd want to just stick around, finish it out strong. What, what incentive does he really have to leave to then go to the Dodgers of all teams, right?
2: Well, and it's weird now, too, because Clayton Kershaw was quoted today as saying something like, well, I really hope we're not second fiddle to him now. I mean, it's, it's a crazy situation. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out.
1: And we'll see you tomorrow Puckett's Picks. You as the listener representative, you get to pick first again. Who are you gonna go with?
2: Well, I, I feel like I should pick a guy like Nick Gordon just because if he gets negative two points, like then then it's not gonna hurt the team so much. But I just cannot live with David getting Correa again and winning. So I'm gonna take Carlos Correa, I'm gonna take his championship culture. Um he, let's go Correa. I need I need some help from C squared here.
1: You know, I hope that um Don't they call him C four? Isn't it C four that they call him? Or is it C C squared? What do they say?
2: Why well, went C squared because of Carlos Correa but I think you're right I think it is C4 actually that makes a lot be, more sense too if you think
1: about it It is his number it should too. Be <laughs> Anyway um so I I like that pick I probably was going to take him if you didn't I'm going to go back to Luis Ariz the points going to 12 I'm just points. Call him the point <laughs> because I think he's going to have a good series back at home against the Orioles he is you know great hitters play well against mediocre to poor teams. So I'm really hoping that he's able to do that. But unfortunately, that leaves open for David Byron Buxton, who I believe in his notes said that Buxton just mashes the ball at home. So David gets to have Buxton here for the next series.
2: And uh, it seems like every time David picks a boomer bust guy this year, it ends up being a boom, which I mean good. If if Buxton does well in this series, I'll will take the the points, but it's it's been a run for David here.
1: Now, we'd also normally with you hogs have a, a David's dumb or Dan's Dumb segment. Do you, do you want to contribute to that segment for this time?
2: Uh, this, this hurts me to say, but unfortunately, since there were only 35 minutes or so of recorded time between the two of you, I couldn't come up with anything that that fit the criteria that you guys, I mean, it, amazingly didn't say anything stupid enough that I have to bring up here, but I'll it'll it'll come back again later. But I, d- I don't have any David's or Dan's Dumbs this time around.
1: Well, next episode, I won't be here, assuming David's health improves. So if if i said anything that you listen back and you say that was a bad take you can jump in and, uh, and you can take a shot at me, which you took some shots at me with about the Yankees and, my, and my appreciation for the way that the Yankees have played baseball.
2: Well, I saw a stat today on TV, and I'm honestly stunned that you didn't say anything about it. <laughs> and it's going to hurt my soul a little bit bringing it up now, but the Yankees just set the MLB record for home runs in June. I thought for sure we'd be talking about that in this game, and I was ready to come at, or in this podcast. I was ready to come at you with everything I got because, I'll be honest, my mood's not the greatest after watching <laughs> these series, and the last, the last thing I want to do is talk about the Yankees mashing more home runs i think you guys need to add the tagline though that especially when it's done by the twins and never when it's done by the yankees that would make me feel a little (laughs) bit better if you had that ending to it
1: (laughs) all right well we'll we'll see going forward hogs um well i will uh i'll send us out in a minute here but thank you again for filling in uh i'm glad you had a good time in the in the northwest when i wasn't there uh i'm sorry next time you go to the northwest we'll we'll have to do a podcast together uh in my basement uh, or wherever we can find space for two microphones
2: that, that sounds great hopefully the next time i'm on here for the podcast it'll be a little happier than today was
1: let's hope so well folks if you like what you hear please tell a friend you can follow us on twitter at Min for the win you can follow us on facebook and you can also follow us on youtube if you just subscribe to any of those places we'd appreciate that you'll be notified when new episodes are available if you could leave us leave us any ratings as well that would be great thank you for listening and as always go twins
0: That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Koufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!